Hey guys, Baldic Dragon here with a quick announcement. So we decided to cut this interview into two roughly 60 minute parts in part one and very interesting so without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome to the Air Combat Simulation Podcast, brought to you by BVR Productions. Together with content creators, mission builders, experts, and enthusiasts, we explore the comprehensive world of combat aircraft simulation. everyone and welcome to uh, episode 17 of the Air uh, Combat Sim and uh, this time we have a pleasure to have with us Norm Lowen uh, or Nineline as you probably know him uh, from Eagle Dynamics. Uh, hi Norm. Hey how's it going? How are you doing sir? I am doing very well. Very good and with us here is uh, Rob or Goat. Hey Goat. Hey, how's it going? I'm doing fine. You survived the winter in Texas? I did, barely. Uh, I, we, uh, as you guys and I have talked about, had about six days without any kind of heat. Um, so uh, that was a challenge, but now I'm, I'm a much better person for it. <laughs> yeah. Well, what would kill you makes you stronger, I heard. Uh, and, uh, and Jabbers, hi Jabbers, how are you doing? Or he's not with us. Sorry, I was on mute. I'm doing oh. good. How about you? <laughs> uh, good, thanks. All good in uh, well, in California. Yep, yep. It's uh, it's it's California cold here, so it's like 60, and we're freezing. So I, I can't imagine being in a rough situation. <laughs> <laughs> All good here in Belgium as well. Uh, it's about well, Fahrenheit will be probably 40, will be 10 degrees Celsius, I guess. I, I never understood why you always made things so difficult when it comes to numbers and, and measurements in the US. <laughs> well, it's what we do. It's what we do. Sure there are a few other things you wonder about. Right yeah, now. probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, uh, let's jump straight to the uh, podcast. We have a lot of questions from the community. And after the one we had with Matt, uh, where people were not very happy because some of the questions were not asked, I intend to ask all of them today, which uh, might mean that we'll, we'll sit here for a long time. <laughs> uh, but let's kick off with, with hearing a little bit more about Norm. Uh, so how, I mean, where are you from? Uh, how long have you been working with Eagle Dynamics? What do you want to tell us about yourself before we jump into the topics? Well, um, I am from uh, uh, British Columbia, Canada, uh, just outside of Vancouver, a city called Surrey. Um, I've been involved with uh, Eagle Dynamics probably from 2013 when I made the mistake of approaching Yo-Yo and saying I wanted to develop a FW190, thinking that I could I could I could develop a DCS aircraft. And I got to talking with him and realized I was in way over my head, and I just started doing research for him. So I started calling sites in Germany and and places like that and. 
we ended up spending a lot of time uh, going over research for the 109 and the 190. And uh, from there, I became a tester. And from there, I became a moderator. And now I am a full-time employee with Eagle Dynamics as a associate producer of community management. And what does that mean? That means a lot of things. That means I'm based, well, I mean, the simplest way to put it is I am the link between you guys and the development team. Uh, you guys and Nick, you guys and Matt. Um, I am basically your representative to make sure that your concerns, uh, your wants and desires are heard by the team. Um, as well as making sure that the uh, message coming from you guys is clear and concise and in a, in a format that, uh, you know, non-English speaking people can understand. They can come on and, and get the information that you're having an issue with or you're having a problem with and making sure all that kind of intertwines. Um, plus, you know, uh, just general marketing and, and making sure questions are answered on social media and things like that. So um, that's the, the gist of that. I mean, I do a lot more with uh, testing. Uh, I do do some uh, campaign work. I do do some uh, uh, for feature requests. I'll put together some limited design documents, nothing like uh, what WAGs or the other team members do, but uh, for some of the smaller features, I'll do things like that. So there's a, there's quite a bit, but my focus is making sure that uh, you guys are heard. Very cool. Yeah, I uh, it's it's interesting because I mean I was just trying to with everything you just uh, mentioned. It was kind of I was trying to sit there and go. I wonder what a day in the life is about. Uh, but it definitely uh, must be uh, must be a complex one. It can be. There's days where it's it's pretty straightforward, and then there's other days where it's all over the place. Uh, uh, it just depends on what's going on. Uh, if there's any major upheavals in in the community or you know, maybe we released something that didn't quite go off as planned or, or, you know, it just really depends on the mindset of the community or what's, uh, what's going on behind the scenes at the time too. So, gotcha. I mean, I'm heavily involved with the, the damage model testing and, and things like that. So I, I can, I can go days where I'm just getting shot down by AI testing the damage model. And, and that's, that's my day, but, uh, yeah, so it could be very, a very, for sure. Now, do you uh, and just taking a kind of rewinding it a bit? Did you come from a software background, or have you been playing Sims a long time? How did you get started going down this track? Yeah, I did not come from software background for sure. I was in the printing industry for since I got out of high school and right up till I I took this full time job. So definitely not really related to. Uh, computers at all besides computer prepress but um i have been playing sims and computer games for for a long time you know back to atari 2600 and commodore vic 20 and uh, onward um i got into flight sims falcon 3.0 is the reason i bought a computer uh I just had, you know, this just looked like the coolest thing. And, uh, it, it was at the time it was, it was 
brilliant. And from there, it was just, you know, uh, a long love of simulations. Now I, I dipped my toes in first person shooters and, and racing sims, but, uh, you know, I finally came back when the A10 came out and really got back into flight sims again. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, uh, We'll talk about the questions that Ron, uh, uh, Rob, sorry, asked um, about the community side of things because there's quite a few questions from the people, and quite specific ones on that. Uh, right. But, uh, getting to maybe a community in general, because <clears throat> one thing that's from my perspective, I mean, being there for a few years now, uh, that the, the community is like has two sides. So one side is a super helpful, open community with lots of people helping each other out how to learn to fly planes or whatever, providing lots of information. On the other side, it can be sometimes, as we can see, and you probably experienced it, quite toxic in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the channels or some of the uh, well, reactions to different things. So it's quite amazing to see like those two different faces of the same group of people. Um, so probably my first question would be, how do you, how would you respond to that? Uh, but also talking about the group of people how how big is the community can you give any numbers of how many people in total play dcs from which countries etc i don't have exact numbers on on how many play um i know that it's been growing leaps and bounds uh, especially since uh uh we we took this new direction with nick um I know that uh with the discord and all that we've got we've got a lot more people engaged Um, your your comment about you know part of the community being great and part of the community being toxic, it's it's not so black and white. Um, and and I honestly, if I had to put a number on that, I would say ninety nine percent of the community is falls in that helpful, uh, uh, kind and 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 helpful. Uh, type of user. Um, you see it on Discord, you see it on the forums, even on Hoggett. Uh, Hoggett is, is really uh, come of age as well, too, and it's been a lot better. Now, you still get users that are upset. Um, they're either upset at me, you know, past communications, or they're upset that something in the game doesn't work quite the way they had hoped. Um, But honestly, even those people, for them to still take the time to come to a forum or come to Discord, and within reason, still make comments, even if they're a little bit on the grumpy side, it still means that they care about the sim. They 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 want the sim to be better. They maybe just don't communicate it like everyone would like them to communicate it. But I, I still feel like they too want dcs to be good they want dcs to succeed and uh that's just the way they express themselves now there is a handful of people out there that i'm not sure what their end game is or or what uh what their purpose is but i mean it's it's a very very small number i mean i could probably count it on one hand and uh for the most part the community has been really good And I think that helps that we've been doing better as well. Uh, we made a lot of our own problems in the past. Actually, sorry, I'm actually glad you pointed out that even the ones that are shouting the loudest 
are doing it because they care because i do feel that that's 100 percent true uh oh yeah yeah and that's yeah oh sorry go ahead i just saying having been in that category myself <laughs> well and there's a, and and you have to remember too that and and even one of the questions uh that we're going to talk about today uh when i was going over it with nick uh talked about the ai being abysmal and he was taken aback by that i mean we have to remember that everybody working on dcs world is a human this is uh, this is their work their heart and soul and passion goes into everything that they do it may not be perfect it may not be what you want but when you come across too harsh or too critical or too upset i mean you got to understand that there's human feelings on the other end we can't just be robots and go okay you don't like it we'll try and do better you know we won't take it personally i mean ideally it would be good that we don't take things personally but it's hard. I mean, like I said, we're all human. So I understand someone being upset and I understand that, uh, you know, getting mad is, is normal. I mean, you paid money for this. You want it to be good. You want it to be what you expected. And, uh, I understand getting mad and I've, I've always, you know, tried to say in the last few years is, when we moderate people that it's not the message, it's the way it's delivered. And uh, it's just important that we, uh, we just, we just remember who we're talking to and that we're talking to other people. Um, I know that you had, you know, you had your issues with the F-16 release and we learned from all that feedback. That's, that was a hard lesson to learn, but we learned from it. Um, but at the end of the day, too, there's still people on the other end. And I know, you know, some people might go, wow, well, that's your job. You know, take it, take whatever you get. You know, that's just the way it is. But it, it's, it really isn't. I mean, there's 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 guys here that really uh, pour their hearts and souls into this. And uh, it's hard for them to take brutal, blunt feedback like sometimes that we get. Yeah, and I and I and I would just comment and say that you know certainly the the medium uh, lends itself to people you know doing the fire and forget, you know. Um, but I also think you know just like Jabbers was saying, it's certainly and you pointed out it's certainly a reflection of the passion of this community. And if you simply just look and and you know you guys know this, look at the amount of content being developed in the community. And to your point, ninety nine percent. And when people raise their hand, and I think that the other piece of it is that there's, you know, it's about a feedback loop when the community raises their hand and how does that, that come back? So, and again, that's part of, part of a question for you. And as you mentioned, you know, new direction from, you know, uh, from Nick, and maybe you can expand on that a little bit and talk about mm-hmm. how uh, things are changing or how things have changed. Um, yeah. So when I first became a moderator, um, back before I was working for Ed, this is just, you know, I was a tester for a while. Um, I was working with Yo-Yo on research. Um, so I got to become a, a moderator as well. Um, and the first thing that other moderators told me when I became a moderator is this is it. You have no more friends. Your only friends will be moderators and everybody else will hate you. And that's, that's what molded my initial entrance into moderation 
And I mean, when you say it out loud, it's it's a horrible way to to begin something like that. So now all the users in the community are my enemy, or they're they're not going to be my friends. That's just a horrible way to go about it. But you know, I I followed that path initially, and I mean, there's examples where it really did not work out well. So even before Nick really got to dig into it, and he pushed it even further than that, but once he got into it as well, I mean, it's it's about um, hearing and listening to people. It's about uh, caring about what they say. If they're taking the time to complain, whether it's uh, a nice, peaceful uh, comment or or a very you know heated rant, they're taking the time out of their day to convey their you know, passion and love of the game. I should make sure that I am taking the time out of my day to hear that, to make sure that it's conveyed to whoever needs to hear it even if I have to filter it some um, and, and, and make sure that I am being a friend to the community. I mean, I do have, I would consider that I do have, you know, in an, in an online sense, I have friends in the community. I have people I talk to all the time. I have people that uh, communicate me with, with me all the time, even just in general. Um, it's not a, you know, us against them mindset anymore. It's, it's, it's about, you know, welcoming the community. It's about uh, bringing them in and, and hearing them. Well, it's, it's obvious that things changed. I mean, the new communication strategy, if you like, uh, with with Kate getting involved, with Nick getting involved, with, with clear communications on what's getting developed and when it will be released and what can you expect in different models. I'm, I'm sure it's bringing a lot of, you know, of payback. It's, 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 it's a good thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it makes it a lot easier for me and Scott, uh, Big Nui, uh, to communicate to you guys when our management's so open with them as well. And, uh, you know, giving us that that news and that information that we can share makes it a lot easier to quell fears and, and answer questions. I, I will say that I do like the new development schedule you guys have set where you do monthly or not not every two weeks or not every week releases it, oh trust me yeah very helpful for everybody i mean i can only imagine on your side it's probably helpful too because you're not spending you know the two days before a release every week trying to make sure everything works because that's just the game's too big yeah it's, it's been huge i mean with the new the new open beta team uh, with the ex- expanded uh, testing time in between releases, it's it's been much much better. I mean, we still have problems get through, and we still have issues. I mean, it's it's a complex game, so things still do slip through. But I think, I mean, if you look at it realistically, I think that it's been a, a whole lot better. And also, from my side, I want to say, I mean, thank you for uh, re- maybe coordinating much much better and working closer with us as third-party campaign developers so after we tried to to make a more formal cooperation it's just amazing how how much more help and feedback and and kind of uh, listening from your side to what we have to say uh, has come about so it's it's really nice development too yeah well i'm glad that you guys reached out to us and and wanted that and and i was happy to i mean you helped me out with uh, my campaign early on, and 
uh, I know firsthand what it's like to create those campaigns and the challenges to it. So, you know, it's, it's, it's good to make things easier for you guys because you're making super quality content for, for DCS world. And uh, we should do everything we can to support that for sure. If I may now move back again to the community questions, because again, my impression is uh, now I want to talk about geographical distribution of people playing and uh, mm-hmm. of course the West. And then it seems that there's a big community in Russia, but it's at least from the side of the West, not very active because probably the language barrier plays, plays a role. And there's also uh, probably a big Chinese market, especially with the Rising Squall campaign, which I think was produced there. Uh, how do you, what would you say about uh, this aspect? Um, well, the West certainly is the biggest area. It's, you know, that's, I think most of our players are from, or the, the good percentage of them are from the U.S. Um, Russia has a decent following, but it's not as big as you might think. Um, I don't have exact numbers on it. I'm sorry, I didn't. Get, I wasn't able to get those uh, uh, for you in time. But uh, uh, I know that China is a big push right now that we want to do more with China. China has its own challenges because they have uh, their own censorship rules and, and things like that. So it's it's probably even a little bit more challenging than uh, than Russia can be. But uh, yeah, we we want to grow in those areas where. Um, like China, I mean, it's a it's a huge market, and they seem to be really really into it so far. Um, so I think we're making big strides there, and then Europe and that uh, got a good solid base as well. So uh, yeah, I mean, it just continues to grow, and and growing into these new markets is helpful as well. So would you say that um, the struggle for the Chinese market is? censorship in that what the game content is delivering or is it something else um i think it's i think it's just getting the message out i I, i'm not really i'm i'm not really involved with that part of it i know that there's some challenges we have to use their social media and and their uh accesses and stuff like that so it's it's more of a challenge that we have to do a separate thing for them but uh um i don't think that there's any issues with game content right now um i don't think that uh, we've had any issues there it's just more about getting the message to them and and uh and them being able to hear us the same way that everyone else does so. cool i mean if that's okay maybe let's move to the user questions now or sorry listeners questions unless you're sure. rob jabbers you have something else uh, you want to raise before uh not no not right now so, Rob? Okay, I think I know. Uh, so, I, I took all the questions and we, we grouped them in rough categories. So, there there would there be some systematic kind of, you know, way to put them forward. Um, and there's no big thought after, behind uh, the exact order. So, I'll just go as I have them on the list here. And the first part I have is on DCS weapons. Uh, mostly missiles. And the first question I have is a quote, Harpoon Warhead versus other anti-ship missiles, unquote. Yeah, so that that has been a big one. And uh, people are not happy that the Harpoon seems to be a weaker missile than, say, some of the other ones that are in-game. 
Um, I think the vegan one is is the most popular one right now. <clears throat> the, the the biggest issue with that right now, and it's something that we are currently actively working on, um, is ship ship damage modeling. Um, we have a number of ship models in the game, from ones that have been around forever to newer ones. They all have different stages of damage. Uh, they all react differently to damage. Um, so the biggest problem is is how how the missiles interact with the ships. The, the, the warhead on the harpoon is actually modeled as it should be and as expected, but it could hit one ship in the game and not do anything, and it could hit another ship in the game and, and, and you could actually see something happen. So the biggest issue is, and I think it's, this is kind of a, something across the board, you know, and why we started with the World War II modules is, is damage model in general. Um, you see it on ground units, you see it on uh, AI units, uh, things like that, that, you know, it seems like the weapons aren't doing what they're supposed to, but they're modeled, you know, as accurately as we can model them uh, with the available information, of course. But the damage model just isn't responsive. Yeah, would you say that that's because the damage model is more of, you know, a life bar with yeah? Well, that you know, thing, if right? above fifty, yeah. render this. If below fifty, render this. You know what I mean? Like exactly. And in, in a lot of cases, you'll get to zero percent, and it'll look like nothing's happened to it, right? Um, so there's a lot of issues with the ship damage model that need to be fixed. We need uh, we need models with uh, uh, components that can be destroyed. Um, uh, components that can be targeted and uh, we just need overall better, better damage modeling with the ships. And that, that will fix uh, the harpoon that doesn't need to be fixed. If that makes sense. Now that'll throw the, maybe the anti-ship missile from the vegan way out of whack, but then we can, I mean, I think that, and I'm, I could be wrong on this and I don't want to speak for Heepler, but I believe that, you know, it's, it's more dialed in to do, uh, the appropriate damage that you would expect, which means it's probably a little bit more powerful than it should be. Um, and I'm I'm not an expert on on that part of it, but uh, as far as I understand, it's compensating for the the poor damage modeling. So once all that's dialed in, and like I said, it is in active review right now, and there's people working on it. So I'm hoping we'll start seeing some some benefits from that in in the near future. That would be really cool. Yeah, that's good news, mm-hmm. especially that some of the aircraft they have, like the Harrier, for instance, they can you can shoot the Maverick in the sea mode, so it will try to hit the waterline. So those things will also then be modeled, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I mean, uh, in some cases, missiles will target the center center of the ship, right? Because that's just how it always worked. Um, when you aim at a target, it, it aims at the center of the model. Whereas in reality, it might not necessarily be the case. You know, you can aim at the waterline, you can aim at different parts of the ship, you can target the radar or what have you. So all that all that needs to be improved and, and uh, polished. So that's something that we definitely want to do for sure. Cool. So maybe let's move from the sea to the skies. Uh, and there are two questions about the AIM-120. So how the updates are coming along uh, and can we see the AMRAAM performance back to more realistic as it was before community outreach for balance when other missile get, missiles get updated? 
Yes, my favorite questions. Yeah. Aim one twenty the missiles. I love missile questions. Um, I I don't. I don't know about the balancing thing. I mean, I'd have to look into that a little bit more. I don't know. As far as I'm aware that we never balance for, um, for multiplayer balance. We don't do that. I would have, I, and I, I believe I looked at that question. I, this happened a few months ago. Is that correct? Do you guys, are you guys aware of the issue they're discuss they're talking about? The aim one twenties right now, uh, are incredibly, they're not chaff resistant like they used to be and there's a meta in multiplayer right now where you can dump seven or there's like literally a program you can run i I probably shouldn't even say this because i'm gonna get worse but you can run Mm -hmm. a specific program where if you dump seven chaff at a certain interval the aim 120 goes for the chaff like 99 percent of the time oh really okay wrecked multiplayer because of it like multiplayer is not even fun anymore (laughs) Yeah, that sounds like a bug. I don't know. I don't know that that would have been something we would have done on purpose. The, well, the, there was um, a purposeful change to, and I believe somebody had decoded this, or decoded, uh, uh, translated this from the Russian form. So maybe the wording was differently mm-hmm. said, and the translation came across inappropriately. But there, I, I do recall there was somebody who had translated a post from someone at ED. I, I don't recall who. Um, that had said they had rolled back the chaff resistance to a lower number because of something. And I, I don't remember what it was, but that was a couple months back. And that's what started this whole yeah. problem. And so it's been yeah, a couple months. Yeah. yeah, I think I remember that. I believe that we answered that it wasn't a balancing, mm-hmm. that it, it was based on information we had. But I mean, I have to dig into that a little bit more. I, I, right. I have been told and I have asked to make sure that we do not do things. We do not try to balance multiplayer. We do not try to balance uh, one aircraft versus the other. If one aircraft is bad against another, then that's the way it is. I mean, that's we're not well, going yeah, to balance it. Yeah, understandable. I think the, the yeah. balancing subject comes from uh, a discussion that was had on Hoggett, where Nick had said that missile ranges were not accurate to what they should be, and I'm paraphrasing because mm-hmm. because they, meaning somebody within your organization enjoys mm-hmm. within visual range combat more and that uh, you know maybe again paraphrasing maybe it came off a little bit different than that but that's what i recall reading yeah. and that was and i think that was uh, yeah i think that was in reference to something in the past too i don't think that that's our goal anymore maybe that was with uh flaming cliffs or something to that effect but mm-hmm. i don't think that that's really our i don't I have never heard of anyone saying that we're doing something to balance multiplayer. I don't just, I mean, but what I wouldn't, wouldn't say it was balance. It's just, just to, to force a different play style because right. that's someone else liked versus how it really happens. Right. But not, yeah. not necessarily yeah. balance. I don't think anybody's here is talking about balance. Obviously okay. they're they're I mean, there shouldn't be a balance that if somebody wants to make a balance, then they need to code their server that way. That's, that's how I look at it. Right. Um, well, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think this question started... in in regard to the M120 though is a the chaff resistance issue everybody's been having, and maybe you guys mm-hmm. can look into the chaff thing that I explained. And if you want more detail, I can I can get it to you. Um, yeah, sure, that's fine. Do that. Yeah. Yeah, and then uh, but number two, um, I know that we had uh, improvements to the AIM-7 as far as um, mm-hmm. you know, how how it reacts in the air and and everything, but. Wasn't there some work on the AIM-120 being done or going to be done to do um, 
uh, like proportional navigation or uh, because basically right now everything just it, it it always navigates on a on a pure path instead of trying to lead or save energy by um, going lag pursued or whatever. I know that the AIM-120 is not complete yet, so I know that there is more stuff coming. I know, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know the deep nitty gritty details. That's uh, really Chiz's uh, uh, area of expertise, and he usually answers those questions. Mm -hmm. So I, I know that there is more coming with it. Um, exactly what that is, I'm not sure, but it's it's not complete yet, for sure. Gotcha. I know they started on some of the R family missiles and uh, for the Russian side, but I know that I positive the aim 120 is not complete yet right yeah i guess that's the second part of the question is there was a recent post again translated i believe from the russian forums about the r27 getting updated because they were finding that it doesn't actually work the way it should yeah yeah and i think that's ongoing but you know we've we've we got a small team and i know that there's a lot of stuff ongoing i know that they're working on uh, sam ballistics as well for uh, for the uh, SA five, I believe, and mm -hmm. so there's there's lots going on with limited people. So I I don't know what's active right now, or what's not. I know the one twenty is not done. I know that the R family is being looked at now, mm -hmm. and I know that we have other you know things going on with SAM uh, missiles and, and things like that. So there's a lot going on. I just don't know where it's going to land sure. at this point. So. I, I want to tag on to that one since we're talking about missiles. What about um, what about proximity ranging? I know at least the way it's perceived right now, uh, and I, I believe this is how it works. I don't have anything to back it up other than my own looking at tack views. Um, but it seems to me that the way that proximity works is the missile proximity uh, trigger occurs based on the dif distance between the missile which I would believe is the center of the missile and um, the pilot's head, not so much mm -hmm. in proximity to the model of the plane that it's attacking, which can give you really weird results. Uh, oh, for sure. um, we see all the time. Is there has there been yeah. any talk about fixing that? Or um, I don't know the answer. No, just curious. I I'd have to look into that again too. I think that it's something like that's been reported. I know that. Proximity, and I mean, you're you're talking multiplayer too, right? So, well, proximity I mean, just in general. The the multiplayer question gets skewed by desync, and that's you know yeah. the amount of distance a missile can travel in even twenty milliseconds. One play, one one person's computer to another can be huge. So, proximity yeah. in multiplayer is always going to be an issue, even if you guys change the way it worked um, yeah. or the way that I perceive that it's working. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know that I have a, a solid answer for that. I know that there's an issue with everything AI, where the AI aims center mass, right? So right. I don't know if it's in this case aiming at the pilot center mass, but I know that you know when a ground troop aims at uh, an aircraft, a helicopter, it, a lot of times it's aiming center mass. It's not aiming for anything particular, and that's okay. something that we're trying to work on with the AI to get them to target. Yeah, they need to yeah. not shoot my pilot in the face so often. Yeah, well, that's the first thing. And that's interesting because the first thing we noticed when, well, not one of the first things, but uh, uh, when we started testing the new damage model for World War II, uh, there was one update where every time I flew, the AI would headshot me. Mm -hmm. And uh, that would be it. I mean, there'd be nothing else. They'd just shoot me in the head and I'd be dead. And then it was right. game over. So it's, you know, it's it's it sounds easy enough 
to fix, but I mean, making the AI act like humans and not be as good is, is a challenge in itself, but we're getting there and we're seeing the problems and we're, we're trying to get that fixed. I think the damage model, again, giving us more components for the AI to, to aim at might be the answer as well. So it's, it's a long-term, you know, it's going to be something that's going to take in the, to fix in the long term, but it's, mm-hmm. It's definitely on our radar to to address for sure. And maybe as a segue to the last weapons question, you mentioned some uh, some uh, some uh, surface to air missiles um, updates, and there's also another part of question we had on that is about the third party weapons, uh, so uh, presumably done by other third party. Uh, developers for their aircraft. Uh, is it something that ED is trying or going to control strictly or it's they can develop them as they want? Um, I think that we want to have a little bit more control over it to make sure that they're getting put in correctly. Um, but that doesn't mean that we're going to say, you know, you as a third party cannot give us, you know, what you think it should act like or have your i mean if you have proof and information on how a weapon should work then you know we can add that to the core and that's how the weapon would work we're not going to say that uh you know a third party doesn't know what they're talking about it would i think in the long run it would be better to have one entity looking at all weapons to make sure that they're getting put in properly and again not to say that the third parties are doing anything wrong or 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 purposely tweaking their weapons, you know, one way or the other. Mm. But I think, I think it would be good to review all that same, you know, we do the same thing with flight models and that, that uh, the flight models are reviewed to make sure that they're, you know, at least, you know, to the standard that we expect for DCS. I think it's reasonable to do the same thing for weapons as well. All right. Let's, let's move to another uh, bigger part, which is, I, I, named DCS development. Yes. And the first one, I, I actually very like, I like this question very much. So it's, how does ED balance the development of additional features versus the actual game of DCS? While it's exciting to see new features added to aircraft every few weeks, it's even more fun to be able to use them in a world that is compelling to play in, which means that, I mean, we have lots of old models uh, from, uh, even from uh, Flaming Cliff 3, I think, era. Uh, like some infantry models are still not uh, very modern uh, and very new stuff. Uh, so, is it going to be? Or what's the idea? How to balance it better? Oh, that's always a, always a challenge, right? Balancing, you know, uh, work that doesn't. I mean, it's it's hard to 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 put it into words, but you know, you got modules that bring in money, but then you've got the core game that's free while it still probably brings in money, the better it looks. I mean, it's, it, there's not a huge return on it. That said, there's been a big push internally to start fixing some of the stuff because like you said, and I think that you're being kind saying that it's from the uh, flaming Chris three era. I think it's a lot. Some of these models are much earlier. Yeah. Um, a lot of more. So I thought, yeah. 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 I think a couple of made it from Atari 2600 combat. So, uh, I think, you know, there's a push now to, to update, uh, these models and there's a, a lot of, they recently went over and decided, you know, what models are important, 
what ones should be updated? What are we going to need to add for for the maps that we have? Uh, you know, the plans that we have going forward, and uh, you know, what new ones should be brought in? So there's a big, huge list of models that our modeling team is working on. There's a number of old models that are being updated as we speak. Um, you know, it, it's like I said, it's a balance to add new features and keep the game updated, but also put out those, uh, you know, those modules and stuff that, that bring the money in. ATC is another good, good one because yeah, we need ATC for sure. It's, it's, you know, it's pretty, pretty worn and pretty old, but the, the complexity of what everyone expects, like we don't just want to do a, you know, a half-assed ATC. We want, a good quality ATC system. So it's going to take some time. It's going to be a lot of voice acting. It's going to be a lot of development to get it to work right. Um, it's again, it's, I think it's in the, the uh, design phase right now, but it's going to take a long time to get it to where it needs to be. So yeah, it, there's a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes that you guys don't get to see that's going to improve some of these uh, weaker sides of DCS. Um, but yeah, we got to balance it with, you know, normal bug fixes, things that break. We got to balance it with just improving the game to keep it current. Um, yeah. I, I don't think there's a good answer on how we balance it. It's just, we do the best that we can uh, when we see an issue that, that really starting to hurt like clouds were the, were a big thing, right? Uh, Microsoft came out with their flight sim and their clouds were all nice and pretty and and people were talking about it. It's like, well, you know, our clouds are pretty crappy, so let's 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 do it. Let's get it, you know, let's bump up the priority on that. Um and uh I it you know, it's like I said, it's it's trying to gauge what everyone wants and how much it's going to add to the game and and uh you know we don't always get the right call, but uh, we do our very best to make sure that we're trying to put our manpower in the right right places. So. I was going to say, when uh, Matt was on, he was mentioning how the new uh, client base of, uh, for example, for the A10C2, uh, is, that, is that still uh, driving as a priority for module development or for the uh, overall game development? Sorry, in, in what regards? Sorry, I don't know that I got so, that. Just say it differently. So when Matt was on, we were talking with him. He mentioned uh, that one of the things, for example, with the A10C2, uh, the more the more recent revision that came out, that that was actually being driven partially by uh, development for the U.S. military. Is that yeah. and, and is that taking on a more significant role in terms of prioritization of development? Uh, yeah, of course. I mean, we have to look at all aspects, right? We do have a private um, side to the business that does have its own demands as well. Some of those demands aren't allowed to come to the general game, but some of them are. And so that will mold and shape um, the game as well. And, and honestly, the A10C is still, I mean, personally, it's still one of my favorite modules and, and to give it, a fresh coat of paint and some new uh, bells and whistles. I mean, it's just makes sense. Um, 
to keep it. I mean, it's been bringing joy to people for, you know, 10 plus years now and uh, why not keep it going? So, you know, it's, it's, it's that balance, right? It's uh, you know, the U S air force was starting to get it. They're starting to get into the VR and they're starting to get into simulations like this. So it's uh, you know, it, it, it's two birds with one stone basically. Yep. Yep. Do you guys ever feel that um, I'm just going to take clouds as an example. Um, Do you guys feel that that was a reactive choice rather than a proactive choice to get that implemented quicker? Or was that always on your timeline? It's been, uh, I saw new clouds probably five years ago. Now they're not the clouds of today, but uh, it's been something we wanted to do for a long time. I think it kind of fell off the priority list. So I would probably be lying to say that there wasn't a little bit of reactive uh, push to make DCS look better. And something is... No, I can't say simple, but something like clouds. I mean, it's it's amazing. I can't wait for you guys to see it. The, the game is a different game with these clouds. It's just incredible. Um, so it was. I would say there's a little bit of reactive push there, but it's something that we've been wanting to do for a long time, mm-hmm. and it's something that we wanted. I mean, the weather engine needs you know needs love, and that's something we still want to do. The clouds the the eye candy part of it's the first step and then the, you know, we'll get into the weather down the road. So, yeah, I mean, there is a little bit of reactive uh, response to, to Microsoft. Um, even though they're not, they're, they're, they're not really a, a direct competitor because we're sure. combat and they're general, but in the same sense, you know, we want people to have that joy of flight on their way to drop a, uh, JDAM just as much as they have a joy of flight, you know, on their way to land at uh, a Guardia or something. So, yeah, I'd love to miss my target because I was looking at the clouds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, there is, there always going to be a little bit of reactive development, but for the most part, it's, it's what our customers want and what, uh, you know, private or commercial. I mean, I, I think that the commercial side of it, uh, you guys are the ones that drive it the most. But, you know, there's those special moments like the A10C that, uh, you know, maybe help get it, you know, a little bit more development time because of that. So, Cool. Uh, no, uh, definitely. Uh, that's well, basically good news. And the, the clouds is yeah, something everyone is looking forward to. Uh, there have been some questions. What, what was your first reaction when you saw them? But I think you answered that. Um, and then one more question maybe about the TCS code, that's, uh, let me quote it, there's been official mentions of the old legacy spaghetti code that DCS is currently built on. At some point, it seems to me DCS is going to need to be rewritten from the ground up in order to keep pace with new technologies. Uh, What is the plan that Eagle Dynamics has going forward and what can we expect from a modern generation of DCS? Yeah, so I... And someone can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the first person to coin the phrase spaghetti code was Nick himself. Um, you know, the, the code is legacy code from way back when. There's there's obviously new parts to it now, um, but there's 5.3 million lines of code in DCS to even think about 
rewriting that from the ground up would be, I think it would probably be best termed insanity. I think the best approach is what we're doing now is we're taking chunks of it. Like, you know, we're taking chunks of the missile code and we're, we're breaking that into a new API and we're rewriting it and uh, the clouds and weather system, we're going to break that out and do that. Uh, uh, ATC, same thing. So we're, we're, I mean, is there any, is there any programs out there that are, you know, kind of versioned based programs that don't have some form of legacy code in it still? Nope. I think that for the most part, many do. So I don't think that rewriting from the ground up is the best answer. I think that would hurt DCS more than it would help it in the long run, just financially and the time cons- consumption and, and starting from scratch. You're just, you know, asking for, uh, new problems and new bugs and, and all sorts of stuff. I think when it, when parts of it need to be rewritten, they should be rewritten, but not, not the entire thing. I don't think that makes sense. So. Yeah. I mean, in, in Jabbers as a software uh, expert in your own right, I think uh, you'd probably yeah. say that, you know, this incremental approach modularization seems reasonable. Yep. We're doing the same thing in my work. We have, close to 5 million lines of code in our big product, our biggest app and uh, we're taking chunks of it and pulling it apart and making it relevant yeah it seems to make I mean and I'm by no means am I a software engineer or expert on it but I mean it just makes sense to me you know starting from scratch versus you know parting it out and, and fixing like you know getting Vulkan and, and uh, the improvements to the graphic system uh, you know, taking that chunk out and, and, and doing it on its own or multiplayer or whatever the improvement needs to be, just addressing that and improving and cleaning up the code there. And hopefully we'll get to a point someday that it's, you know, less spaghetti and more good quality code. So, mm-hmm. Well, for, and for you personally, I know you mentioned the clouds, uh, but of the things that are on the horizon that uh, you can talk about, what are you most excited about? Oh, I mean... The Apache is, and I, I'm the first one to tell you that I'm a terrible uh, sim helicopter pilot, but I am so looking forward to the Apache. And then uh, I jumped into the Hind this this weekend as well to to see how that's coming. And the the cockpit's incredible. I mean, it's it's just it's going to be such a fun module. Um, it's it's a little bit tougher to fly. Uh, it likes being trimmed and it's it's a different helicopter for sure but the just the helicopters that we have coming i think are going to be a lot of fun i had a, a, a real big boost to the helicopter side of of things in dcs i mean i think that's one of the big things i'm i'm looking forward to um the biggest thing was the damage model for world war ii and obviously that's out already but we're still working on that and improving it that's that's been something I've been working on before I was even, uh, I was testing that before I was even officially part of it and ED and, uh, it's, it's, it's been a, a great thing to, to be part of that development and seeing it come to life and seeing it now in the hands of users and, and the improvements that are still to come. So, um, those are the biggest things I think. Now it, with both those modules 
and you know i'm i'm not trying to bash on the f-16 but are they going to be more complete than the f-16 at their initial release yeah as i said in the beginning we learned our i think i think that we learned our lesson from from the f-16 i think we tried to and i don't think it was intent to to uh um to be uh uh what's the word i'm looking for i don't think we had the intent to deceive anyone i think that you know we just took early access too far um it was too early access uh, there was not enough there to be totally fun for everyone. I mean, a lot of people enjoyed it. It was, you know, but I mean, you can just still have your fun with it. I, I still do. But then, but then after a while, I'm like, oh, okay. I there's just yeah, it was, just, <laughs> it was just a little bit too early. Yeah, it was just a little bit too early. So I, I would say that we learned our lesson from that. Um, I think that uh, that in the future that it won't we won't do that as much. I mean, early access is always going to be early access. Early access will be missing stuff. And it's just the better way for us to uh, fund DCS world and keep things moving is to get things out there. And honestly, the best testers we have, and I'm saying that with the utmost respect, I'm not trying to, you know, dump on anyone saying that you're free testers. But the best testers we have are the public, They're the ones that jump into early access and dig their heels into it and really test it out and see what's there and what's not and what's not right. We get so many quality bug reports from users. And it's, I mean, it's, it's you know, the best thing that we can have for development a lot of times is having, you know, quality users in there. You know, doing things that maybe we don't even necessarily think of doing while we're testing, um, and the multiplayer, the multiplayer testing. It would just no matter how many people we add, we can't do the multiplayer testing that people do in public. So early access is always going to be here. But yeah, I mean, the Viper was probably a little bit too early, and I think that we've learned from that. I think that the early access is like a sour taste in my mouth not mm-hmm. not just from dcs at all um just just the way it's going in general for all games i feel like everything's starting to become way too early like it like it, you know early access meant we were in beta and now it's like yeah. we're not even at alpha yet so uh just in general i i personally have chosen to really not pursue looking at early access games um in general unless i've seen that they're decent so i i just wait and wait and see what everybody else says uh yeah and so and but i think it's a fine line i think that uh yeah you do get uh extra help and extra testing and and that's awesome as a software engineer myself that's very helpful because you have more eyes on it and you have people who aren't paid testers doing things that the paid testers wouldn't think of doing, which you mm-hmm. kind of uh, pointed at. Uh, the downside is you have, now you have the job of deciphering input from somebody who isn't a tester, who doesn't necessarily know how to tell you what you need to know. Uh, right. And you know, you get, you end up getting some good book reports and you end up getting a whole lot of stuff where you have to pursue and say, I, well, I don't understand what you did. What did you do? Show me what you did. Give me a, you know, a track, give me this and that. So, uh, it then ends up causing you a bit more work as well on the back end of that. So it's a two way streak and it's, 
it's hard to navigate. I think, um, you know, we've, we've done some stuff like that in my job and it's not always the best approach personally, but I'm just going to, I'll just throw out there and say that, you know, I'm, I'm one from on the early access side of going, yeah, I'll do it. Cause I, Oh, a squirrel, something shiny. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, you know, and again, to me, it's, uh, I, I don't have a ton of time, but I enjoy going through it and taking a look at the early stuff. So for me, it's, it's great. But again, you know, that's me. And I think uh, it, it is a spectrum of, uh, and I think that the definition of what early access meant has been sort of the challenge. And you know, uh, I managed to, to build the whole Raven campaign on the early access Hornet thing. Okay, they'll edit. I'm sure they'll edit. I'll just put it in the mission and I'm sure it will be there, like the Ground Raider or something. <laughs> it, it worked. I'm doing the same with F16, so it's going to be fine. Yeah, I mean, early access is always going to be a personal choice. And I am not going to dump on anyone that says, I don't like early access. I'm not doing it. Don't do it if you don't like early access because you're just going to be frustrated. You're going to be mad. You're not going to be happy. Wait for it to be fleshed out more. And that and that's fine. No one at Eagle Dynamics is going to get mad at a user that says, I don't want to do early access. That said... A lot of people like early access. A lot of people like getting their hands on it as soon as possible. Um, and, and that's something that's going to continue. It, it helps us. It helps you. It helps uh, you know players get new stuff faster. And uh, those that can handle it uh, do good. And, and as far as the testing goes, you know, we still get the odd bad report. For the most part, everyone that's making reports understands that we have guidelines to it and they, you know, they have to be reminded about the track occasionally, but for the most part, we get good solid reports from most people and uh, it, it works out well. I mean, obviously our, I don't know what software you guys work on. And so it, it can be different for every type of thing, but uh, even, even vague reports uh, me and Scott have been got, I've gotten good at, uh, you know, figuring out what they mean and, and what's going on. And we can usually reproduce it internally to get, get a bug reported. So it is helpful. Okay. Um, yeah. So it, it does help, but yeah, as I said, yeah. Go ahead. I think for me that the biggest thing about the early access stuff is with the advanced modules. So like world war two stuff's not so bad. Yeah. Would you say even the cold mm -hmm. wear stuff, probably not so bad, but uh, when it gets into like the Hornet or the F 16 or, you know, anything else that's, uh, got way more systems and stuff like that. I I don't have the time for the negative training anymore. And so uh, uh, for me, it's personal choice. You know, I'm just not going to deal with it because, um, you know, like the Hornet doesn't fly the same that it did back when it was first released, doesn't have the same weapons. You know, some of the weapons, the way you interact with them have changed. And so mm -hmm. for me, I get back in it now and I'm like, I don't even know what this is anymore. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've, had, I've had 200 I, hours in this thing or, you know, just, just throwing a number out and, and it doesn't even feel the same anymore and it should. And so that kind of drives yeah. me nuts. So for me, it's all about, uh, you know, again, personal choice. I'm just going to wait until things are more complete so I don't have to relearn the plane again because I don't have that much time anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and, that, and that's a good point. I mean, uh, that's, and that's the whole point of saying that if you don't, like early access or you don't have time yep. for it or yep. you don't, you know, negative training. That's a, that's a good phrase that, uh, you know, you learn how to drop a weapon one day and the next update it's, it's changed because we've gotten some new information or, right. you know, it, it's part, it's all part of early access. So anyone listening, 
that's early access. You can run into that. And that if that bothers you, then maybe you need to wait and just hang on. Yep. Uh, or Yeah, or just accept it and that's what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, there's there's players that love it and don't are fine with learning it and and see a new update with a new way to do something as a new challenge. And mm-hmm. there's some that are just like, ah, oh, I don't have time. You know, I don't I don't want to relearn this. I don't want to have learned it in the past. And now I go fly online and I end up bombing myself because I don't know what I'm doing. So, yeah, I get that. I mean, it's it's and that's the diversity of our community, right? It's got all types of make the world go around so thanks for listening to air combat sim don't forget to subscribe or tell a friend about you have a question idea for an episode or a special guest you'd like us to invite feel free to reach out on facebook discord or via email air combat sim was brought to you by bbr Productions.